and be seated if you would please. So nice to have everybody in attendance today. God bless you. You may be seated and um, if you are a guest and you didn't get one of these, raise your hand. If you didn't get one of these, raise your hand. All right, I think our guests are taken care of. All right, if you didn't get one, we'd like to give you one because there is a card inside. We also want to give you the pin. I hope you got the pin, which is our church uh, pin and emblem. Uh, we're the people carrying Jesus sharing church. Let's give all of our guests a round of applause. Thank you for coming today and uh, during this special season of the year. We were singing and that reminds me, you sounded so good. You all ought to get into the choir. So we're going to draft you. And uh, if you come tonight, you can get in on the good stuff. We have a choir rehearsal at 5.30, getting ready for next Sunday morning. We'll fill the auditorium, the Lord willing, with your guests, family, and friends. Let's, uh, let's all fill up a row and bring them out, and there'll be narration and speaking and music and kids, too. And uh, we, we want them to be there because uh, we want mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and all their friends to come from around the neighborhood so let's all do our part next Sunday morning, and tonight we have uh, our rehearsal. Uh, the adults will be rehearsing at 5.30. The kids will be meeting between 5, 5.15. They'll have a regular 5 o'clock hour, all of our elementary age. They'll have something to eat, and they'll have verses to memorize and fun, and they'll learn things, and they'll share those things with you. And that's before our evening service tonight, which is at 6.30 as well. On the way out today, I hope that you will stop at our bookstore. If you go through those doors and then turn to your right, the bookstore is there, and uh, my dear wife Gwendolyn will be there. We've got Bibles, we've got good books, we've got, we've got ties and, and uh, uh, hankies and all kinds of things, and um, uh, you might be shopping for this season, and you might be shopping. You can buy something for yourself if you want to, but also uh, we had to resupply, and we don't have a lot, do we? We've got uh, a limited supply, right? Uh, these are glass and or acrylic. You can get it in either format. Merry Christmas 2023. And it's a prayer reminder. If you hang that at your house, however you want to, uh, you can remember to pray for our church and for our people. So praise God uh, for each one. And by the way, uh, this is a time of year, uh, you know, it is more blessed to give than to receive. But we do not Pastor and wife do not ask for personal gifts. Instead, we have for years stated that we prefer that you give a Christmas gift to Jesus. And so we have, we have our, our offering envelopes that say give a Christmas gift to Jesus. You can do so on the installment plan through the end of this month. And this is like end of your giving. And it, this is excellent, uh, an excellent choice for you to give if you would please. So let's do that. The people who are in attendance today... Uh, you're here because somebody cared enough to tell you about our church. In uh, many, many cases, that is the case. And yesterday we had our visitation outreach, and we had a good group, didn't we, Daquan? Uh, we hit a lot of doors, hundreds of doors, uh, and talked to hundreds and hundreds of people, and we got our start. In fact, I, I kept notes on the back of this little sticky note on uh, how many tracks I gave out, we gave out. And we'd like you to be part of this also. So if uh, you shared any gospel tracts yesterday at all, this is the beginning of our 15-day Fill America, Fill Virginia campaign. These gentlemen have a report form that you can go ahead and mark down the number of smiley face tracts that you gave out yesterday. And then starting today, 
this will be good for the next week. And next week you'll report again. And uh, we will be closing out on Christmas Eve. Actually, Christmas Eve Eve. And uh, that will be the end of this campaign. We want to do our best not only to uh, win the numerical contest, but also to win people to Jesus and let them know that there is hope uh, for them and that Jesus Christ is still the way. Ushers, when you get a chance, come on back up front and grab a stack of these little devotionals. These are absolutely free. You can have one for home, one for at work. You have several. These are covered December, January, February. And this will help you read through your Bible. By the way, how many of you have read through your Bible? Come on, raise your hands. You read through your Bible. We're going to start that up in January again. Read through the Bible in a year. But this helps you with your devotions. And so we want to get those handed out as well. Everybody take one or get several. And uh, you are free to take as many as you would like. Uh, we also have on the Welcome Center out there uh, something we've written about having a godly Christmas. All of our holidays, we've, we've uh, covered them with uh, some devotional thoughts and some handy hints about how to have a godly Christmas. You know, it's amazing, but Christmas time can be a pressure time, a stress time. And sometimes we don't always behave ourselves as we ought. So I hope you'll pick one of those up. And then... Last but not least, we have these posters, and I want you to put them up on every public bulletin board, every community bulletin board, and I want you to pass them out to your neighbors. On the back is the plan of salvation, but this is the invitation to next Sunday morning's musicale, the 17th at 11 a.m. Let's fill the place, all right? Everybody take one or several. Also, the Christmas candlelight service, that will be Sunday morning, the 24th. That's Christmas Eve morning. We'll have a candlelight service here. Very special atmosphere. You'll love it. Some of you will be out of town, but all of you who are in town, come on, bring your family, everybody that's visiting for the Christmas uh, season. And then on New Year's, which falls on Sunday, that evening we'll have a New Year's Eve candlelight service at 6.30 and uh, some very special things going on in those candlelight services. All of this before we get to 2024. Wow, i got to tell you, it's been a busy, busy season already, and it's about to get busier, but we don't want to leave Jesus Christ out. Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is still the reason for the season, and I'm glad that folks have their focus right when it comes to this matter of what Christmas and who Christmas is all about. I'm glad that you've come out today. Um, we did not sing among those great songs that we sang, we did not sing a song that's not found in your hymnal. It's a song that um, many have sung in the past, though, and uh, written back in the 1600s. So that's an old Christmas song, and it goes, While shepherds watch their flocks by night, all seated on the ground, the angel of the Lord came down, and glory shone around. And glory shone around. Fear not, said he, for mighty dread had seized their troubled mind. Uh, they were scared to death, those shepherds were. Glad tidings of great joy I bring to you and all mankind, to you and all mankind, to you in David's town, that's Bethlehem, this day is born of David's line, and uh, on both sides of the family, his actual mother Mary, the Virgin Mary, uh, was in the line of David. She had her lineage. And on Joseph's side, though he is not the biological son of Joseph, he's the virgin-born son of God, Joseph became his legal 
father, his stand-in dad, his, uh, his uh, surrogate father, let's just put it that way, and uh, did a good job of it. We're going to talk about him tonight from the scriptures. But uh, on both sides, he's in David's line. Do you know that someday Jesus will sit on the throne of David? How many of you have read that or heard that in scripture? Do you know that he will sit on the throne of David and it will be in the millennial reign, which is the 1,000-year reign of Christ, which will come after the battle of Armageddon? The Bible says so. And do you know that he is the only individual in history now that has the lineage back to David that can prove it? Every other person of Jewish extraction is, is unable to prove their lineage all the way back to King David. So sitting on the throne of David will be the only person who's qualified to sit on the throne of David, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to that day. The heavenly babe you there shall find to human view displayed all meanly, all commonly, all, all ordinarily wrapped in swaddling, swathing bands it says, but swaddling clothes actually is cloth that is used for burial purposes. And these poor folks, they use what they could, they use what they could find. And it's typical, it's symbolic of the fact that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Jesus came to die. He came to take your place and mine. All glory be to God on high and to the earth be peace, goodwill henceforth from heaven to men, begin and never cease, begin and never cease. Now I made reference to another poem that has been put to music. Have, uh, have you ever heard of Christina Rossetti? Christina Rossetti, a great poet of the 1800s, wrote a poem that has been put to music. I've only ever seen it in one source. And it, it starts out really dark and dank and gloomy in the bleak midwinter, frosty wind did moan, earth stood hard as iron, water like stone, and it goes on talks about snow. We don't actually know that the snow had fallen. We do know the snow does fall uh, there in Israel on occasion. But we don't know that it fell when Jesus was born. In fact, we don't actually know on what day he was born. He might not have been born in the winter. We don't know. It doesn't matter. What we celebrate is that he was born. Jesus Christ, God, became a man. So anyhow, Christina Rossetti wrote this great, great song. Heaven cannot hold him, nor the earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall vanish when he comes to reign, God himself became a man, born to pay sin's price. He's the great Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ. She sounds like she knows him personally, amen? My question to you today is, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own Savior? He is, uh, as uh, one writer has written, he is the Lamb of glory. He has come into the world to seek and to save the lost. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior. The only one who qualifies, again, is Jesus Christ. The only sinless lamb, as far as mankind is, uh, is concerned. And so there we have it. We have the story in a nutshell. We need a Savior, and Jesus is the only one who qualifies. And uh, you might set somebody else up on a pedestal, but I'm telling you right now, Nobody else can do what Jesus can do. And nobody else loved you like Jesus loved you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Over in Luke's Gospel today, we have the Scripture, some of which we have shared already in the morning uh, Sunday school hour, and uh, then 
uh, as we began the service today, uh, we went there to the second chapter also and read just a little bit of the portion of Scripture. May I draw your attention to Luke's Gospel? Luke's Gospel, and it's the second chapter. If you're looking in your, um, in your uh, Bible that's on the back of the pew there, you want to turn to page uh, 1057. 1057. All right, well, here we have the birth of Jesus. It came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And that's a, that's a hard and fast, uh, lead-lined, uh, automatic, you-have-to-obey-or-else government edict. Caesar Augustus was the absolute ruler of the Roman Empire that stretched all the way from, from India, uh, all the way across that part of the world, all of Europe, all the way up into Great Britain, all the way down into North Africa, and across the Middle East, as we stated. And so he wanted, he needed, perhaps, some taxation funds, and so he declared that all the world should be taxed, and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. So we see tax in verse 1, tax in verse 2, and then verse 3, and all went to be taxed, everyone in his own city. Kind of makes you sick, doesn't it, to read about all those taxes. But uh, they knew they had to go to their city of origin, their family ancestry, and in both Joseph and Mary's case, they had to leave, look here, they'd leave the north which was Nazareth in Galilee, and travel a very rugged road all the way down to the southern portion of Israel at that time, which was Judea. And that's where Bethlehem was, also where Jerusalem was. And they had to do so under the most dire circumstances because she was about to deliver. She was great with child. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, means city or haven of bread, because he was of the house and lineage of David. This lost and dying world needs spiritual sustenance, needs bread, and the bread of life is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the bread of heaven. He came down out of heaven for the purpose of meeting our spiritual need our deficit, to be taxed. There you have it again with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, Mary was his espoused wife. What does that mean? For a period of time prior to the actual wedding ceremony, in that culture, they were espoused, which is much stronger than engagement. Espousal is everything that marriage is minus the physical relationship. So they would frequently, uh, the young people would live in each other's homes. They would learn about finances, about each other's uh, uh, emotions, about how, you know, what makes them tick. And, uh, and then there would be the wedding day. But during this period of time, which was a spousal, it was absolutely contractual. And if there was any unfaithfulness or any problem that, that arose in those days, you would go to the high priest and get a bill of divorcement. You had to get divorced if you were espoused. Even before marriage, you had to get a divorce to be separated. And so uh, this is what's, what's going on. And as it says in Matthew's gospel, the first chapter, Joseph was minded to put her away privily or privately. He didn't want to have her stoned to death, which was the alternative. Instead, he wanted to just go to the high priest and get a bill of divorcement and just quietly end this thing because 
He didn't understand that she was bearing a child that is the Son of God, that she was that that conception took place by the Holy Ghost. It was not unfaithfulness on her part at all. So having discovered that, having discovered that, Joseph did as he was commanded. We'll preach on that tonight. So Joseph is going through the entire, the entire relationship and is going to take Mary to this place where they're going to be taxed all the way down to Bethlehem. And notice, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. She's just about to deliver. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. So she comes full term, and she brought forth, she gave birth to her firstborn son. Now the Bible is very clear elsewhere in the Gospels that Jesus had half-brothers and half-sisters, and they're named. And we know that there are at least... There are at least four half-brothers. One of them is James, and he becomes the pastor of the church of Jerusalem, that big church when it first just exploded in attendance, and he was, he was the lead pastor, and he had some time alone with his half-brother, his big brother Jesus, before the ascension of Jesus. We read about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm sure that Jesus was giving his little brother some advice. Now, you're going to be the pastor of the world's largest church. And here's what you need to tell him. Always, always don't get too far from Calvary. Always don't get too far from the empty tomb. Always give the plan of salvation. Always draw the net. Always give the... I can just hear Jesus giving pastoral advice. Can you imagine it? I can imagine him giving pastoral advice to his little brother. There he is. There he is. We've got, we've got James. Oh, we've got Jude. Jude. The second to last book of the Bible is written by Jude. It's a little one-chapter book, short, but it has to do with things in the last days and, and people that will sneak in the back door and try to subvert the truth. And we've got that going on now. We're in those last days. But Jude wrote that. He also wrote a great verse that, uh, that Gabe has used about uh, love, having compassion, making a difference, how important it is for us to always go soul winning with a, a lump in our throat and a tear in our eye and no judgmentalism whatsoever because God so loved the world. I mean, He's got great compassion. We ought to have compassion, that same compassion. So there, there is a very clear statement in verse 7 here in Luke chapter 2. She brought forth her firstborn son. That's, that's Jesus. And wrapped him in swaddling clothes or death cloth, and laid him in a manger. I talked about this Friday night. What a wonderful, wonderful service we had. A cookies and caroling concert over at Fellowship House, and we had folks receive Christ as Savior. I had a wonderful time of fellowship. And I spoke about Mary tenderly laying that little baby, Jesus, in that manger. She did all that she could do. She didn't have access she didn't have the key to get into the biggest motel, hotel. There was no room in the inn. And so they had a spot out there with the animals in the stable. And she tenderly laid him in that manger. She did the best she could. We ought to all do the best that we can. Whatever God calls us to be, whatever He calls us to do, always do your best. You know what we were taught? As I was coming up through the youth group and through Christian training, 
I was taught that it's a sin to do less than your best. Now, you don't have to get all A's, but if you have the capacity to get all A's, you should get all A's for Jesus. If I mean, as good as a B is or a B plus, if you've got the ability to get an A, you ought to work that hard for Jesus. That's it. Now, on the, on the same measuring scale, if you do your best and you don't pass, this is no excuse. Kids, plug your ears. If you do your best and you still fail, no one is going to come down hard on you because you've done your best. It is a sin not to do your best. So we ought to always do our best. Amen. And so Mary did her best. We're going to read about some others that do their best because there was no room for them in the end. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. This is what you've got on the front of your bulletin. A fantastic scripture verse. Those shepherds. Now, people today seem to have less of a grasp of who they are and what they're about than ever before. I understand that as you're developing, as you're growing, you may not have all the answers. The Bible teaches us that we walk by faith and not by sight. So what should we be doing? We should be following the Lord's direction. However, the Holy Spirit guides us through the Word of God. That's how we ought to be living, and that's where we ought to be taking our next step. Peter got up, and he took a step outside the boat, the only guy to ever walk on water other than Jesus, and he was able to do it as long as he kept his eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. You keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. You step out of the boat figuratively, not literally, but figuratively. You walk by faith and not by sight. And you let the Lord guide you and direct you. Success is not making a certain amount of money or having a certain amount of things. But success is knowing and doing the will of God. Knowing and doing the will of God. The will of God is in the Word of God. So get into the Word until the Word gets into you. Amen. So we're, we're about the Bible here. We're about God's Word being literally taken. And here we have shepherds, and they didn't have any question about their identity. They know who they were and what they were and what they were supposed to be doing. You say, but they were just shepherds. You can put that little four-letter word just in front of anything, any designation in this world. And in so doing, you may seem to give a person an excuse, or you may demean them. But the truth of the matter is, whoever and whatever God has called you to be and to do, whatever that might be, is not small business. It's God's business. God's business isn't just standing up here and preaching. God's business isn't just going out, visiting and soul winning and sharing the gospel. God's business is being the best whatever fill in the blank you are for His glory. God's business is achieving the goals that God has for you as He sets them, not just your own goal setting. We're coming up on New Year's. And there are some people who are very motivated. They listen to motivational tapes or CDs. And, I mean, that's what they're into. And praise the Lord if they can do it. You have to get fired up before you go out that tunnel to play football. Anybody that's ever been there, before you go out that tunnel and get on that field to play football, guess what? You've got to be fired up. If you're not fired up, first thing that's going to happen when you get out there, you could be twice the size of that guy across from me. He's going to knock you on your backside. you got to be ready. you got to be prepared. you got to be ready. And the same thing is true for whatever God has for you in your life. I'm saying there is a place, there is a purpose 
There is, I mean, there are specifics. You may not know the specifics, but you need to be going in the same, the right general direction that God wants you to go. We know generally from the Word of God what not to do, what not to be. But God wants us to know specifically what His will is, and He wants us to embrace that. And here's the reason, not because we like it or because we finally came to terms with it. He shed a lot of tears. No, God wants us to embrace His perfect will for our life because we love Him. Not because we love it. Because we love Him. And that can cover a lot of territory, can it? How many of you are seeing the light now? Come on, it's breaking through. Amen. That's it. Amen. God has a job. God has a place. God has a purpose. Always has. And these shepherds were doing exactly, precisely what God wanted them to be and to do. See, now how do you know that? Well, first of all, we have them identified as shepherd. Have you ever looked at the derivation of shepherd? Shepherd is obviously someone who takes care of sheep. They herd sheep. I mean, it's kind of in the English. It comes from Lancashire in England. And um, there are some names, both in English and German. If your last name is Schaefer, Schaefer means shepherd. Did you know that? Did you know that the designation, one of five designations for the same office in this local church is pastor. Pastor, all right, which is the shepherd. That's it. Now, he's the great, good, and kind shepherd. There are not many shepherds who are named by proper name in the Bible. I can think of, let's see, there's David, right? Uh, some other herdsmen that we got names of. And Jesus. Jesus is the great, good, and kind shepherd. He knows about sheep. This last week, I did something very daring. I mean, this is more daring than you can imagine. I mean, you say, well, whitewater rafting, um, uh, climbing, you know, the, the Matterhorn. Um, uh, what was it? No, I went down and got in line at the post office. You talk about taking your life in your hands. I mean, out the door. I got there early, but there was, there was one very active Praise the Lord kind of person in front of me. And so, of course, I broke into a conversation, gave, gave a smiley face track, our, our track, to her. And talking with her and, and uh, just in conversation. And after about three statements out of my mouth, she said, Do I know you? And I said, I don't believe we've ever met. Might be. I'm Pastor Winnegar, Central Baptist Church. Uh, you ever been to my church? Not that I know of. And then she said, how is it you know so much about me? Well, I said, well, I'm a pastor, and I studied, majored in sheepology. She looked at me, and I said, because you see, sheep and people, and this is not demeaning, have a lot in common spiritually. Sheep need a shepherd. And I'm not the great shepherd, the good kind shepherd shepherd that the Bible speaks of. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know him? She said, yes, I do. I said, well, you need to come on over then. Okay, since, since this under-shepherd knows so much about the sheep. But anyway, the, the truth of the matter is there are a lot of similarities. And this business about being shepherds is not demeaning. Now, understand this. Because of the nature of their work, they had to live, eat, walk, talk, you know, be with, at night sleep nearby, the sheep. And so they, they took on the characteristics of the sheep. They spent a lot of time outside. 
Shepherds were not allowed in polite society. They could not come into the temple. Prior to that, they couldn't come into the, to the tabernacle. Uh, they were not allowed. They were considered ceremonially unclean. But now here's the rub. They raised the sheep, the lambs, that were offered as sacrifices. Now, if you were one of those people who said, I demand my rights. If you were a shepherd, you might be one of those persons. Wait a minute. We raise the lambs that are sacrificed without spot, without blemish, perfect, unmarked lambs according to the Levitical law. We raise those lambs, but we ourselves can't even come to where they're offered. That's right. You know what that's called? Here it is. This is the, the designation of that file. That's just the way it is. That goes under the file, that's just the way it is. How many of you have come to terms with that's just the way it is? Sure, sure. If you have a health issue, a challenge, if you are in a certain circumstance or situation, uh, you've got a couple of choices. But in a lot of cases, that's the way it is. Do you know that this book, the Bible, is written to all kinds of people who came under that designation of that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And yet what an honor to be a shepherd, to take care of sheep, to understand sheep, to be with the sheep so much, so much that Jesus Christ is spoken of as that shepherd. We'll talk more about him in just a minute. Those shepherds, those shepherds knew what they were about. They understood their identity. They understood their role. And there they are at night, faithfully out there. I don't know how cold it is. I don't know how difficult it is, but they're out there. They can't abandon their sheep. If they abandon their sheep, their sheep become lunch for a, an animal of prey. The wolves or whatever out there, everything wild. So they're there with the sheep. And they, they, carry, they carry with them a, a rod, a staff, and they're able to ward off and deal with uh, every eventuality. They're able to, to uh, bring back those that stray. Uh, they have uh, certain tools of the trade that they have learned, they're responsible for. They know about caring for sheep. They know what medicinal and herbal things need to be done to take care of those sheep when they're showing certain characteristics or symptoms. And so those shepherds, there they are, abiding in the field. They know their place. They know their task. They know what they're about. And they are responsible keeping watch over their flock, not somebody else's, but their flock by night in the most difficult circumstances. Let us take from their example the role model of the faithful shepherd. Jesus Christ fulfills that, of course. But these shepherds have to be balanced in everything they do. So should we. So should we. In Philippians chapter 4, that great chapter, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say what? Rejoice. Those people were facing persecution, some of them death, for their faith. Uh, Paul was in jail at the time that he wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. So that's a different view of things. The next verse says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Moderation is balance. If this church needs to be anything, it needs to be spiritually balanced. We need to recognize that if we don't win souls, this church will die out and go out of existence in one generation. So we need to lead people to Jesus. 
but we can't be only about leading people to Jesus. We all also need to introduce all of the truth re, re, uh, having to do with Jesus and having to do with the Christian life so that people can do what? The Bible says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So we need, to, we need to have a balance. There are many, many, many aspects. Now, some folks say, well, there should be a balance. There should be a, uh, you know, equal evangelism and, uh, and edification, that's growth. And then uh, there should be uh, entertainment. We should package everything that we present in a manner that will be easily and better received. But entertainment should never take uh, equal standing or, or uh, be of equal importance to us as evangelism and edification. I'm not against smiling, laughing, uh, having a good time if it's appropriate. But that's not all important. And I could go down the list of all the things that the so-called churches in the world do that they major in. And if you, are, if you are asked a question, 20 words or less, what is that church about? And if somewhere in there you don't have Bible preaching, Bible reaching, Bible teaching, why does that church exist and why are you even interested in it? There ought to be, we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And the second great commandment is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There should, be, there should be that love, that divine love, and it should be obvious in how we serve the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. We had all of this past month was our verse. We come before Him with singing. There should be singing. There should be music. But our ministry isn't just the things that we like. The ministry are the things that please the Lord. Our task and our joy is to be able to glorify the Lord and please Him. And then, listen, this is it. God is not under duress to come down and please us, but He does. He does so many wonderful things. But it is our task as His servants to please Him, and then guess what? It's not doing what we like, it's liking what we do. It becomes the matter of our doing it, and pretty soon... Uh, the Lord says, you know what, that's good. I'm going to reward you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your life fulfilled. And you're going, to, you're going to have a wonderful life in addition to having salvation, eternal life. You're going to have a wonderful life. You're going to have the overflowing, abundant life. All those things become a part of this. These shepherds may not have had what appeared on the surface to be an exciting life. But what they had was a fulfilling life. They knew who they were. They were faithful at it. They were out there doing what they were supposed to do. And if we do so as unto the Lord, God will bless our life as well. I'm not sure that you need to go into uh, a study of raising sheep. If you do, keep in mind, every, every old cowboy western, black and white western I ever saw, you know, they... The, the, the cattle herders were against the sheep herders, and the sheep herders were against the cattle herders. And, I mean, it was, it was not a very pleasant experience. And the reason was because when sheep eat, they, they chew deep and cattle don't. And there's something there to grow up after the cows get through, but when the sheep get through, there's nothing left. I mean, that's, that's the basic reason. And, and yet, I tell you what, lamb anything, you can serve me. All right, it's, uh, it's great. I love lamb chops. I love 
stew. All of that stuff, yes, all of it. Anything that comes from a lamp tastes good. Those, uh, those folks know how to eat. All right, so this being the case, we're talking about the importance of being and doing what God wants us to. At this, at this season of the year, please keep in mind, they would not have been in the right place at the right time to get the message if they hadn't been faithful and in their right place. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And everybody was wondering, why? Because these common ordinary antisocial outcasts, I guess, who were doing their necessary work and doing it faithful, faithfully, had this side thing going on, telling people about the baby Jesus who's come into the world to make a difference. When uh, they came in to the presence of the Lord Jesus, they found the little lamb. It's spoken of in the Old Testament. The one that would be referred to by John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Jesus came for that purpose. So Jesus, our great, good, and kind shepherd, is also the Lamb. What kind of a shepherd is the one who is also a Lamb? He's got everybody's interests at heart, obviously. He knows, he knows more than anybody else. He experiences and feels more than anybody else. He is the one who is best prepared to give what needs to be given and that which is needed. He is a seeking shepherd. He came to seek and to save the lost. He is a sacrificial shepherd. It says in John chapter 10 that the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Do you know that the way things were arranged there in the wilderness, there was a sheepfold into which the sheep were taken each night and there was an opening that would normally be a place for a door, but the shepherd himself would lie down in that doorway and would become the door. So much so that, look this way, Jesus said this, I am the door. He's the shepherd who keeps all the evil out. He's the shepherd through whom we must go if we're going to get on the inside, so to speak. And he is also the solitary shepherd. Somebody wrote a long time ago. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never had a family nor owned a home. He never set foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He never wrote a book nor held an office. He did none of the things that usually accompany greatness. While he was still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends deserted him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. 
While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had, his coat. When he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed grave. Nineteen centuries plus have come and gone, and today he is the central figure uh, in a, for, a much, uh, for much of the human race. All the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, and all the kings that have ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man upon this earth as powerfully as this one solitary life. There is an admonition from Peter, who knows, and wrote to all the pastors, feed the flock of God. It's my task, my joy, to feed the flock of God. This is not my flock. I'm the under-shepherd. He's the shepherd. He's in charge. He tells me what to preach. And today, he said, don't sit down until you've done what you're going to do next. That is, not everybody is a sheep of his fold. In fact, Jesus said, other sheep have I. They aren't of this fold. He was talking about those who would in the future come to him. And he's speaking in scripture right there about you and me. He's speaking about those down the corridor of time, the centuries of time, who would come to God through Christ. He's the only way. You can't get to heaven by being good. You can't get to heaven by doing good. You can't get to heaven by following a code. As important as all those things in the Bible are, they are merely evidences that something has happened. It's called a transaction. You have become one of His sheep. And how do you become one of His sheep? The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you do that right now with me? Let me help you, all right? I admit that I'm a sinner, and we need to do that right now. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. And how many of you with heads bowed and eyes closed would whisper a prayer to God right now and say something like this, Dear God, dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart. As my personal Savior. As my personal Savior. Please take away my sins. Please take away my sins. And take me to heaven when I die. And take me to heaven when I die. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Nobody's looking. How many of you here today would say, Preacher, I just prayed that prayer from my heart to God, and I really meant it. Put your hand up. Let me see it right now. God bless you. That's good. I prayed that prayer. God bless you. That's good. Amen. God bless you across the auditorium. We appreciate so much your honesty. Would you do this? Would you look deep down inside? How many of you would say, I've already done that, Preacher. I've already done that. Sometime in my life, I've prayed and asked Jesus in my heart, slip your hand up high. Sometime I've already done that. God bless you. That's wonderful. If you haven't, would you meet me down front? If you've prayed to receive Christ but never come forward and like some help, just come down and say, I prayed that prayer. I'll have someone show you from the Bible about the Christian life. If you desire baptism or membership, come and tell me. Otherwise, if you want to come and pray, there's a place down here. No one will interrupt you. You'll have a quiet place down here to pray until you're through. Thank you.
years ago.